Welcome to the Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. I am the founder of this feast, Mike Westfall, and this is season three of my podcast, celebrating the beloved and some overlooked TV holiday specials of seasons past. We begin this December on Sunday the 1st, 2019, with a new regular feature I'm calling Scrooge Sunday which I'll devote to one of the many, many adaptations of A Christmas Carol. And I'm starting with the first ever telling of the tale I ever remember watching, the 1983 Disney version, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Oh, what a merry Christmas day. Hear the joyous music play. Yay! Joining me to discuss this Ducky Dickens derivative is a duo of distinguished Disney devotees. First, the crickety conscience of Christmas past and empress of the Enchanted Chatter podcast. It's Liz Twonkman. Hello, Liz. Hello. Oh my gosh, I've never had such a wonderful lead-in ever in my life. <laughs> well, I'm... That was magical. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I brought you on. So, I want to put that on everything, by the way. <laughs> All right done it's yours yes thank you and second the least menacing marley's ghost ever cast from the podcast's sequel quest and more importantly two goofs providing a peek under the costume of a former cast member it is adam pope welcome adam (laughs) should have watched that last step my gosh that's hi mike Thank you both for joining me to kick off this year. Uh, As I mentioned, you're both pretty big Disney enthusiasts, so that's why I specifically wanted you two on this particular episode. So I have a feeling this has been part of your lives for most of your lives, but tell me a little about your personal history with Mickey's Christmas Carol. Let's start with you, Liz. Um, I actually have definitely watched it as a kid, but I don't know that it's something that we watched regularly by any means, but my father is a big Charles Dickens fan. So we have definitely watched pretty much every iteration of a Christmas Carol. Um, our favorite would probably be Patrick Stewart's portrayal of Scrooge, but, um, but Scrooge playing Scrooge is, is kind of perfection, especially (laughs) since he is named for, um, this for Scrooge, the character of Scrooge in the Christmas Carol. And, so I don't know that I have like a specific memory of watching it as a child. I just have always like, it's, it, it's one of those things that's in the periphery for me. Yes. But definitely we watched it. It's like along with all the other ones, different adaptations of books like Muppet Treasure Island or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have any specific memories of watching. I couldn't tell you the first time I saw it by any means. Um, but I did just, I did just rewatch it today for a little refresher um and i still love it so much it's it's wonderful so i'm excited to talk about it great adam how about you do you have a personal story or do you remember the first time watching it 
I do. Well, actually, I have the VHS tape that records the first moment I, I laid eyes on this special. It's like Christmas 1986, I believe. And basically, it's me jumping different channels. So there's like a little bit of Frosty the Snowman over here. There's a little bit of Mickey's Christmas Carol over here. They're just kind of jumping around. <laughs> and uh, so I have, the, I have the middle portion of this special. <laughs> so, so I saw a little bit of it for many, many years. And that was what was odd with the Christmas Carol for me because it was either this or bill murray and scrooge oh, wow. so quite a disparate pair of adaptations wow. unless you count that episode of say by the bell where they perform a few scenes with the homeless girl who ends up moving yes. in with zach's family oh, and then is never that. heard from again yeah that's a great one <laughs> and i i have a copy on vhs a complete copy now of mickey's christmas carol you know of the uh, walt disney mini classics series this is the i have the 25 minute edition i'm sure we'll get into the different lengths that are available but that's what i got yes i did see that you're keeping very good care of that version um, absolutely i mean that's impressive that you have that <laughs> <laughs> always on the hunt it's on brand is what it is i'll tell you that very true <laughs> I may have seen this in the theater, but it's a fragment of a memory at this point, and I'm not even sure if it's a truthful memory or just a combination of several disjointed ones of watching this, because I've seen it so many times and so many years in a row. But So, Mickey's Christmas Carol premiered in U.S. theaters in December 1983 in front of a re-release of The Rescuers. So I was only three years old at the time, so I have a faint memory of possibly seeing this and the rescuers on the big screen, but I'm not sure if I saw both on TV later because my first really well-formed memory of going and sitting down and being in a movie theater as a three-year-old was for The Jungle Book the following year in 84, but maybe I was there for this too? I don't know. Uh, What I do know is that it ended up on one of my VHS tapes that my parents crammed with Christmas specials that just (laughs) defined December for me growing up. And sometimes random days in the summer. But I very specifically remember it being taped off the TV as part of a marathon that some channel was doing of all of the wintry Disney things. So it had things like Pluto and the Christmas tree and Donald and his nephews getting into that snowball fight. Uh, the one where everybody's just ice skating and Goofy is ice fishing with chewing tobacco because of the 1930s. (laughs) Uh, But then after those, it goes right into the opening of Mickey's Christmas Carol with that familiar opening portrait of Mickey Mouse and the yellow sunburst background, but he's got the Dickens hat and the scarf, so. I love that. I want that on a t-shirt. I'm sure it exists, but that's beautiful. Or an ugly sweater. I don't think I've seen like a, a... Mickey Mouse t-shirt with Bob Cratchit. I'm wearing one right now where it's just, he's wearing a Santa hat. Oh. But get on it, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> but. Well, they've been bringing back a lot of like the old styles. So I bet it, I would be, I would be really surprised they didn't have something around Christmas time that was very like retro-y, like old, old Christmas Carol-y style. Never a bad time. But we go into our opening title credits, and according to Wikipedia, this was the last piece of animation to feature full opening credits and end with the end. Which is something I've thought of watching other older Disney movies 
you may have noticed this, uh, where you have all your credits at the beginning of the movie, and apparently that stopped here as far as animation goes. But I kind of looked back at the trend, and it kind of died out in the 1970s, and pushing all of the credits to the end of a movie really got popularized after Star Wars. Hmm. So, but that, but that means they've never ended a movie with the end or just that the credits and at the beginning and the end as the, the only title is it, I was, I was reading that too. And I was like, hmm. so literally they've never said the end since then. Is that because they want to make sequels? So they did not want to limit themselves. <laughs> it was very, like, well, they we, very specifically yeah. worded it like that. I took it as meaning that the end was the only title at the end of a movie. Because again, I mean, these days, all of the credits at the end, sometimes the titles at the end, and you got to sit and wait for post credits, because that's now become a Disney thing by itself, and everyone else is doing it. But fun little piece of trivia there. Um, Mm. But yes, this runs, this ran 26 minutes in the theater. Adam, I guess you looked up more about the different lengths of these. I know that Sometimes if you're airing this on TV, you're going to have to cut for commercials. But what else did you find out about that part? Well, it was just it was my understanding that, yeah, that the, there have been a couple different versions. I, and actually, I, I have a friend over at RetroDays.org that shows, you know, we, he does a Christmas special every year that the members can get in on. So if you want to join that community and he always shows a couple of clips from this. Mm. But yeah, but it, and then somebody had told me that there are, you know, for example, I believe a part of one of the uh, One Upon a Christmas, isn't there a, a portion or section oh, that has yes. this in it? So I found yeah. this hiding on Netflix, sort of. There is a cut for time version of a special called Mickey's Magical Christmas Snowed In at the House of Mouse from 2001. And that was a direct-to-DVD thing that is now on Netflix. And that's a little shorter. It cuts out the opening credits there, and it shortens the the very short ending even more so to shove mm-hmm. it in there. Yeah, and, and that's how I was wondering, too, because, you know, everything online says that it's 26 minutes, and my VHS says 25. So I'm wondering, what minute did I lose? <laughs> it's definitely 20 minutes on YouTube, by the way. Ah, okay. <laughs> they fully cut out five or six minutes on YouTube. Does everybody <laughs> kind of talk quickly? Minutes on that, though. <laughs> when it's 20 plus minutes, where is there like fat to cut? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and they cut a lot of fat from the source material to begin with. So <laughs> right. we'll get into that a little more. And a lot of this stuff just goes rapid fire. But we're not going to go through beat by beat like other specials I've done on this show. It's a Christmas carol. If you're listening to this, you know how a Christmas carol goes. Um, it's also a 26-minute Christmas carol. Right. So. <laughs> it's the shortened version. The abridged version. Just the good part. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. instead, especially for this one, I'd like to focus on the cast of characters in this adaptation. Who we liked, who we thought may not have worked so well, what may have been missing. Uh, but we'll start with our Scrooge, voiced for the first time in animation by Alan Young. I'll tell you what Christmas is. It's just another work day. And any jackanapes who thinks else should be boiled in his own pudding. Now, this blew my mind, I have to say. I did not... 
I, I, I had heard the name before, but I'd never seen the face before. So when I did a little, uh, you know, a little bit of study on this, I was like, wait a minute, Alan Young, Wilbur from Mr. Ed, Wilbur the voice of Mr. Scrooge Ed. McDuck. <laughs> I was like, that would have blown my mind as a kid. I watched so much Mr. Ed on Nick, Nick at night, yeah. you know, and then, and then in the afternoons I was watching DuckTales. If I had known that those universes merged, that that was a, a revelation to me. And I had to put that in animation condition because here's another very weird fact that I just learned from watching it this time. Mickey's Christmas Carol actually began its life as a record album from 1974 that was just called Dickens' Christmas Carol. But it's got a lot of these same players. You have Scrooge McDuck playing Scrooge. You have Mickey Mouse playing Bob Cratchit. There are a few cast changes that we'll get into a little later, but this one even had some original songs on it that didn't make it into the film. Right, and I really enjoyed them. Yeah, like there's one in particular as they're introducing, you know, the miserly nature of Scrooge. And it's just called Money. Yeah. So I don't know, Pink Floyd, how they felt about that. <laughs> but um, it's got a great line in there that says, Scrooge is cheap, what a creep. <laughs> so <laughs> for, for nothing else, you got to love it. Scrooge is cheap, what a creep, as hard as me. They tell you that you cannot buy contentment. But that philosophy is trash. The only thing that counts with me is M-O-N-E-Y, you see, the only thing I'm counting on is cash. That's some serious lyricism right there. (laughs) (laughs) But I have to say, too, when I was listening uh, through to the story, uh, the goofy on that record is pretty terrible. And I don't know if it's because just during that period, Goofy wasn't really known for talking. You know, it seemed like that really picked up for him in the 90s with a Goofy movie and Goof Troop. You know, so it it seemed like before he was, you know, doing all his very famous cartoons as, you know, the all-American dad. But those were narrated usually. And so maybe they just didn't have like that standard Goofy voice because this guy's like, well, gee, be screwed. You bring my life. I'm just like, this is a terrible voice. That doesn't sound like Goofy at all. I, Bill Farmer is my Goofy of choice. I just have to... Scrooge, don't you recognize me? <laughs> Your old partner, Jacob Marley. Yeah, I actually had to look it up because I thought he sounded super weird. I was like, what is wrong with his voice? Oh, yeah. The original Goofy, Pinto Colvig, died in the 60s, and then Bill Farmer didn't right. take over until 1987. So there's a good 20-year yeah. gap where... Goofy may not have sounded the same at all. Yeah, I'd like to know who did his voice for the uh, Mickey Mouse disco album then. Have to look that one up. Who is filling in? That, I believe, (laughs) was Hal Smith, who also does it in Mickey's Christmas Carol. Oh, okay. And Hal Smith is a very well-known character actor. He also does a lot of, like, horse voices, too. So he's like the the voice of Philippe in Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) <laughs> like he does the nays and stuff for Philippe? Yes. Because he doesn't oh, say yeah. anything. Yeah. Uh, you, I originally thought it was Frank Welker who does every animal voice ever. I was going to say, must have been out of town. <laughs> but Hal Smith does like a really great horse impression, apparently. But uh, <laughs> but as far as Hal Smith's <laughs> voice goes, I know him more mostly as Owl in Winnie the Pooh, the original Owl. 
Mm. Speaking of which, I'll just mention, I actually picked up a, uh, a Winnie the Pooh storybook record this weekend. Oh, nice. Which was pretty fun. Yeah. So I wonder if he's doing the it voice on like that one. It to me all. I was very taken aback by them. Is that where you grabbed that, that chimes sound in your 100 sequel, <laughs> sequel quest episode? That was from a Disney book, but that was, that was not this one. Yeah. But Alan Young would remain the voice of Scrooge until his death in 2016, returning for a few of those new Mickey Mouse shorts he was in, uh, which I think are fantastic. Yeah, well, it's fascinating that he didn't show up sooner, given how popular Scrooge McDuck was in comic book form. I mean, my dad, he loved all the Donald Duck and, you know, Scrooge McDuck adventures. Like he told me about them all throughout my life growing up. And when he found out I was watching DuckTales, he was thrilled. So I'm just surprised they never thought to adapt those until the late 80s. That's kind of odd. Yeah, I think I read that he did show up in some 60s or 70s sort of Ludwig von Drake episode that they did a little mm-hmm. short film that they did, but it was a different voice. Yeah. It always felt like he was the stand in, you know, so yeah. he got this German duck, you know, doing his thing. <laughs> it's go. like, ah, close enough. We don't need Scrooge around here. Too many accents on these ducks. Uh, but Mickey's Christmas Carol, the first animated appearance of Alan Young as Scrooge and the last ever appearance of Clarence Nash as Donald Duck who is here appropriately in the role of Scrooge's nephew, Fred. I say bah, humbug. I don't care. I say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How did we like Donald here? I thought he was great, honestly. I mean, I I must admit, I have a hard time distinguishing between the Donald performers. <laughs> but I, I could at least understand what he was saying. He had many years of practice, oh, uh, elocution as uh, Donald. So that was good. I, yeah, I like him for Fred because, I mean, it, as we know, Donald is already Scrooge's nephew in iterations. So, you know, in other things. So it makes sense for him to be in this role here. Um, and he's he's kind of a blip, though. I mean, he is as you know, he's like super such a short role. So I'm glad that they found a place to put him in there somewhere. <laughs> there are so many blips in this because of how short it is. But yeah, and, and Donald makes sense for the reasons you mentioned. But it's also a more cheerful role than I'm used to seeing from Donald Duck. He's usually the quick tempered one. Yeah, he's a little saucier than, usually a little saucier than this. He's very plucky. Yeah. Plucky duck. (laughs) That's a different show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tiny Toons might have a few issues with that. Um, But I was going to say, too, yeah, the only time he freaks out is when Scrooge actually kicks him out the door. And then you hear his classic sound, you know, but but other than that, he's the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. (laughs) And then we leave him again without doing the usual Donald Duck, put up your dukes fighting dance he does. Uh, But that's when it hit me. Hey, this is a rare cheery Donald. Even on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, a show for preschoolers, Donald's got a temper. But it works perfectly here, despite that. And it's it's nice to see happy Donald for a change. Um, I like at the end when he like his expression when Scrooge is like, I'm coming over to have dinner and like. You see sort of that, like, confused Donald, which is something that we've seen before. Well, I'll be um, I love that. I love that for him, too. That's, like, a great moment for Donald. It is. Well, I can't believe we've gotten this deep into talking about Mickey's Christmas Carol without talking about our headliner. Mickey Mouse sort of takes a backseat here in the role of Bob Cratchit, but 
How do we feel this worked? It's a real it's- strange choice for him, I think. At first. I don't know why, but it seems strange to me. Yeah, I guess I feel like he's... Mickey Mouse is such a bland character. He is the everyman. So for me, he fits in the role pretty well because Bob Cratchit, you know, is not certainly the focus of the story, but his life is. It's kind of strange how how Dickens writes it. You know, it's like, you know, it's not his perspective, but so much about what he's going through is what helps Scrooge have his, you know, moment of clarity. So I feel like with Mickey Mouse just being the the nice guy who's kind of put upon, but doesn't show it you know hey he's a perfect for that role yeah you are right and for him for him and like tiny tim to be the catalyst for you know some of part of the catalyst for scrooge um scrooge's transformation there at the end when he finds out you know tiny tim dies like dun 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 um so that it's like tiny mickey and minnie and you know the, the mouse family is kind of sweet and i don't know where else they would really fit in this story you know there's no real other place for mickey to fit in here right mickey as bob cratchit makes as much sense as you can throw at a story where the protagonist is the bad guy you really can't put mickey anywhere else here right maybe one of the ghosts maybe christmas past but I also thought it was nice just to see those kid mice get work again, because it feels like back in the old days with the old Mickey Mouse cartoons, there was all these little little mice running around all the time. Then they disappeared. Every so cartoon hey, had nephews. I feel like yeah. Popeye set a trend for that because he had his four. And then you get Huey doing Louie. And then you get uh, the one playing Tiny Tim here, according to the record anyway, is Mickey's rarely seen nephew, Morty. Morty Mouse. Morty, Morty Field Mouse, <laughs> according to Wikipedia. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, Morty I, Field Mouse. <laughs> there's this ginormous family tree of ducks and mice and goofies on some website that I'm going to put in the show notes here. Oh, wow. Some fan went through every comic, every source material that mentions, well, my great niece fourth removed and just goes on with it. And there are a lot of the, in the duck in the Donald duck family, because uncle Scrooge keeps going back to all of his ancestors and relations and stuff. Uh, But it's just the size of this is ridiculous that someone lovingly spent so much time on this big family tree. I'll send it to you guys later, but it's, I was blown away. Yeah. I look forward to that. But I read a review of this from Siskel and Ebert, who both gave this thumbs down because they felt felt there wasn't enough emphasis on Mickey, despite his name being in the title. (laughs) Wow. I didn't feel that, even watching it for the first time as a kid, because, well, one, it was my first version of A Christmas Carol that I ever saw. But to the point where DuckTales came around, I didn't understand why he was now called Scrooge McDuck and not Ebenezer Scrooge. And it was later that I learned, oh, that's a separate story that already existed. Hmm. Although you might... down is harsh. <laughs> well, Siskel was a harsh dude. I mean... I mean, you're right. You're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> it seems like the Dickens estate would have a greater issue with this if Mickey is calling it his Christmas Carol as if, because I know there were some, uh, 
way back in Dickens' day when he first published A Christmas Carol, there were all sorts of people publishing it without, you know, crediting him. And here, Mickey taken. <laughs> I know, I'm sure that's not the case, but still, a little confusion there, possibly. No, they had to put his name in the headline to get people to go actually watch The Rescuers. Yes. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, let's go back just a little bit before we get too deep into this. To our opening scene, because as Scrooge is walking to work, we have a few other familiar faces that dot the street of London among us Disney nerds. Uh, Would any character, who would you say immediately stood out to you in this opening street scene of anyone? Well, for sure. I mean, the opening line is the big bad wolf. As Santa standing next to the three little pigs, I was like, oh, Christmas cheer. They're they're friends now. You know, the season, it's magical for sure. There's the proof right there. I loved that. It was the big bad wolf as the charity Santa. I mean, it's such a like, if you know, if you're not watching for it, you sort of miss it. Like, I think that's something that you notice upon many rewatches. Yes. Um, because it's just such a throw in there. Like, there's a lot of those, especially like in the you know, in the in the dance hall later, you see a lot of those. But um, I love that they sort of throw those things in there for people who are watching it multiple times that you just you may not get it the first time, but like six times later, you know, where everyone is. Yes, a lot of these I would file under Easter eggs, but I went through and paused oh, and definitely. counted as many as I could. So and then Wikipedia was helpful there, too, because they listed a bunch, one that I wouldn't have put together until I actually read it, but that dog begging Scrooge to give a penny for the poor governor, that dog is from Robin Hood. His name is Otto. He's that blacksmith with the bum leg trying to hide gold from the sheriff of Nottingham and his cast. Oh, he's hobbling around on his crutches. Yeah. (laughs) Just a very random pull. Uh, Well, you get a lot, you get a lot of these random supporting characters going to pop up here, especially from Robin Hood, because the trend here is that Every character, with one huge exception, is an animal. Right. Well, and it was surprising that you would think there might be some sort of rescuer's connection as well if it was being paired with that. But to my knowledge, I didn't see any characters from the rescuers show up. No, I was waiting for something like that. Yeah. You see see the mice from Robin Hood in that dancing scene, I think, but you Mm -hmm. don't see... You could have seen Bernard and Bianca dancing. That would have been a good little sink in there but, well know. also by 83 you have a large canon of movies to work with you could have thrown in a lot of people oh, yeah. just like so many things could have been around you could have a dwarf is up in there you could have had you know like i guess if you're sticking with animals then but there's still a lot you could work with oh yeah like in scrooge's office following donald's exit we have our pair of collectors from the poor and it's ratty and moly from the wind and the willows yep <laughs> I loved Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Is that still open at Disneyland? It, it is. is. Oh. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Disney World? No. Disneyland? Yes. No, they replaced it with The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which is still fine, but not quite the same. <laughs> it's no Mr. Toad. No. But one day I'll get out there. <laughs> But I like the shortened version of Scrooge's rant of the collectors here. He uses reverse psychology to kind of shuffle them out the door with, You realize if you give money to the poor, they won't be poor anymore, will they? Well, uh, and if they're not poor anymore, then you won't have to raise money for them anymore. 
Well, I suppose... And if you don't have to raise money for them anymore, then you would be out of a job. Oh, please, gentlemen, don't ask me to put you out of a job. Not on Christmas Eve. Uh, and our next character is a big one. It's the ghost of Jacob Marley, played by the always terrifying Goofy. <laughs> this is the weirdest one to me. I don't yes. understand how Goofy gets to be Marley. <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys also thought that because I. Oh my yeah. gosh! Like when would he ever steal from the you know the widows and and just like you know it just that is never something that uh, Goofy would be involved in. He, he just doesn't even have the wherewithal to <laughs> come up with such a plan. It would seem. Also, Scrooge and Goofy never have a relationship in any like iteration <laughs> of them being in something. So the fact that they would be in business together is weird storytelling choice. You know, like there could have been. A million other people that they could have chosen, but Goofy? Right, it feels so shoehorned in. It's like, we're, oh, where are we going to put in Goofy? And I have some ideas later when we get to that portion. But Goofy as Marley <laughs> never bothered me as a kid, but watching it now, as I got older and I understood what the scene was and what Jacob Marley's ghost was supposed to be, the less Goofy's portrayal worked for me. I like my Marley scary. Well, yeah, the more you know about Dickens, work and the more you know about the characters themselves and seeing them in other iterations the more you're like what the heck were they <laughs> i mean i think it's a fab five choice right so you have to say absolutely donald mickey mini but you don't have pluto if you're talking about fab five having giant roles no no pluto in here at all pluto's nowhere so the fact that goofy was a choice as a Fab Five character, but Pluto is none, nowhere. Is <laughs> weird. I feel like they traded up, you know, when you get Chip and Dale a little bit later. It's like, well, you got Chip and Dale. Do you really need Pluto? <laughs> yeah, they're not Fab Five. Daisy's not even Fab Five, and she's in here. Why you know is what I mean? Daisy like, less important than the dog. <laughs> well, don't get me started on why Daisy's not in the Fab Five and Pluto is, okay? Don't even get me started. Oh. <laughs> I have thoughts, guys. I have thoughts about it. Okay, I will ask you about those thoughts another time. Good. Yeah. Now, what one thing I wanted to mention about this, but the there's a little bit of a difference between the version on the record as far as dialogue yes. and this version of Goofy. Mm -hmm. And I just thought one of the great uh, lines that just I don't know. It always it's an old joke, but it always cracks me up. Which you know, Scrooge is like, "Why are you wearing those chains?" I don't know. Chains are in this year. <laughs> He's a fashionista. All right. That's the best line. Why would they cut that? That's yeah. so good. I don't know. Who knew Goofy was so up on trends? Yeah, and Alan Young's trying to come off as frightened here, but they're going for the laughs. So in that sense, Goofy works a little bit. You see a shadow creeping up the stairs behind Scrooge. You hear him fall down the stairs later with his trademark Goofy holler. Marley, watch out for that first! Step. Yeah, and I'm glad to know that in the Disney parks, they do have a Goofy as Marley costume. Because if you Google that, you can find it. It's it's pretty good. You know, he's got the nice washed up. Wait a minute, like a full, like a... An actual costume character that you can yeah, read? Yeah, costume character that walks around the park. Yep, Whoa. it exists. Oh, <laughs> I need this in my life. Yes, find it. 
over here at the Magic Kingdom, we have, uh, at Christmas time, they will bust out little window displays along Main Street of little dioramas of scenes from this. And this is one of them. And Scrooge's hat is like kind of, it's on a string and it pops up and down in fear. And it's just great. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, there's also that scene where he tries to be a little scary when he's like, you know, talking about, he's like, oh, we pillage and we plunder. Wait, no, I'm supposed to tell you not to do that. You know, like that scene where he like breaks out of it. And it's, it's so weird. (laughs) And part of it might have to do with, as I mentioned before, it's Hal Smith. He's not a regular goofy voice. And we right. had that kind of limbo where Goofy wasn't doing anything. So that might have turned me off even as a kid. But I mean, it's super apparent that he's not the voice we know. So, I mean, you know, this era going forward. Is, well, ghostly. Right. <laughs> You're taking it with a grain of salt, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But that brings us to the arrival of our first spirit, the ghost of Christmas past. Portrayed by Jiminy Cricket. Aww. Complete with a badge replacing his usual official conscience badge from Pinocchio, which I thought was a great <laughs> touch. Yes. This is classic Jiminy Cricket, and I feel like the role as Ghost of Christmas Past gets a little lost behind his character that I was more familiar with, especially having watched many, many of those educational shorts hosted by Jiminy Cricket, like Encyclopedia. <laughs> Uh, yes i'm no fool no siri so i'm used to him (laughs) telling me what's right and wrong so who better to show scrooge when and where he messed up than the certified voice of reason well and he gets a good dig in too when scrooge doesn't want to come out the window he's like what's wrong scrooge (laughs) i thought you enjoyed looking down on the world yes (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah, Jiminy's a great choice for this. He makes perfect sense for this role. Now, is it the original voice actor from Pinocchio, or is it just uh, another Jimmy Stewart sound alike? Because I always hear Jiminy Cricket, I hear Jimmy Stewart. No, I think it was the second one, and I don't have the name on me. Oh, okay. I will say he did sound good for Jiminy. Yes. Like, I, I didn't have to do a double take. Even Mickey sounds weird in this. Well, Mickey, I, this was the early years of Wayne Allwine taking over as Mickey, so. Yeah, he sounds super weird. I was like, wait, is Goofy and Mickey not correct? You know, not like the voices that I know. And I mean. Yeah. Well, Mickey was, but again, it's. In a way, no, because yeah. he was still working on it. But. Right. Uh, no, Clarence Nash was the only original voice actor in here as Donald. Mm. But all right, Jiminy Cricket. It's Eddie Carroll, who was. The second voice of Jiminy Cricket that Mm. we know throughout the 80s and 90s and the old Wishes Fireworks Spectacular here in Orlando. But (laughs) rest in peace. But yeah, I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. Yeah, because I thought he sounded perfect. He was right on point. So excellent work there of casting that guy. Yeah, that was a good one. They didn't miss a beat with him. Okay, the original uh, Jiminy Cricket voice was Cliff Edwards. He died in 1971. Mm. Uh, but no, he was, it, again, this worked perfectly. Here's an interesting note. Going back to that Disneyland record version of this, in that, 
the ghost of Christmas past is Merlin from The Sword in the Stone. I am Merlin, the magician. Look, Merlin, I'm in no mood for card tricks. I am the ghost of Christmas past. It is my intention to perform a wondrous feat of magic. I will whisk you into your past when you are but a youth. Yeah, random. <laughs> now that's good. It was, and I loved The Sword in the Stone. That was my favorite Disney movie as a kid until maybe Aladdin came out. It does not get enough love at all. No. It has like, the only thing it has at the parks is the actual Sword in the Stone. Right. That mm-hmm. you can like try to muscle out. Yep. And that's like it. I think it's like after Sleeping Beauty and before stuff like The Jungle Book. So that's kind of a limbo for Disney as a company, too. That might have been one of the last things Walt worked on, that in The Jungle Book. But I think I like Jiminy better here. In a lot of adaptations, the Ghost of Christmas Past is described or is supposed to appear to be of indeterminate age looking both like a child and an old man at the same time. I believe it's um, written by Dickens. Uh, you can't do that with Merlin, but you can kind of do that with the talking cricket. Right. And this Merlin you know, on the record, he just isn't, uh, I don't know. He, he just doesn't seem as befuddled, you know, as, as the one in the movie. So to me, he was just like, you know, an old British voice, but it didn't, it didn't have the same character. He wasn't, quite as yeah i don't know it just didn't have the excitement of, of the movie version so i was like yeah it was a nice idea but i don't think it was executed terribly well but it is a it is an awesome you know merlin for jiminy cricket that's just a funny comparison to know either side of that coin and it gives us a great way too short flying over london scene and i love the trope of tiny flying creature carrying a much larger passenger into flight <laughs> He's so strong. It's going to come up a few more times this season, so stay stay tuned. Um, But we are flown to the very lively Fezziwigs, and here's the mother load of how many Disney characters can you identify? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We have Fezziwig himself, and it's Mr. Toad. Classic. Uh, but notably, as we zoom in through the window, I immediately spotted Lady Cluck from Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice who she was dancing with until I looked at a list. It is the secretary bird from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Wow. They, now that's a deep cut. They pulled from <laughs> Bedknobs and Broomsticks and they couldn't fit Pluto in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they couldn't have him just dancing in fuzzy wigs somewhere right this is where you put him over with chip and dale they're here huey dewey and louie are decorating a christmas tree they're here grandma duck my favorite clarabelle cow is in there with horace yeah they're dancing i love them i love horace and clarabelle yes they're in the hoedown over by over in frontierland all the time Mm -hmm. at disney i love going over there and watching them dancing with them it was very reminiscent to me of, you know, the we, we talked about Mr. Toads, but of, you know, the uh, the Ichabod, you know, Crane and his little dance yes. sequence before he meets the Headless Horseman. Mm-hmm. It was very similar in that in that respect. I, it actually be interesting to go back and compare. I wonder if there was some uh, reused footage of the dancing steps, you know. I'd imagine there is because yeah. we see a little bit of what I'm pretty sure is recycled animation later. 
And I'm sure you see it with, with some of these characters dancing around and doing random stuff here. I'm sure Chip and Dale... No, Chip and Dale definitely have danced like that before. Their little dance in a circle. Um, you have Donald Duck's grandmother clapping along. You have Uncle Waldo. <laughs> I mean... Uh, have the Badger to round out our uh, Wind in the Willows cast. But our star of this segment is Daisy Duck in the role of Isabel. Not just Belle. It's Isabel for this one. Not sure why they did that. It's on the record like that, too. Ebenezer? Ebenezer? Yes, Isabel? My eyes are closed, my lips are puckered, and I'm standing under the mistletoe. You're also standing on my foot. Did we also talk about how it's weird that Daisy is Scrooge's love interest when Donald yeah. is in this piece? You know what I mean? Like, that's strange. Come up with another Lady Duck. There's no more other Lady Ducks around. Can't make one up. Exactly. <laughs> oh, but it's a flashback. You can't have Lady Isabel, the, the Scottish duck that belongs with Scrooge or something. <laughs> like, it's a cartoon. There you go. They gotta that's pick. weird to me. I think that's weird. Magica Dispel. <laughs> there you go. Oh, could have worked. Could have done, like, she could have done the, the Karen Allen um, future timeline thing going on in Scrooge. Oh, yeah. That See, that's perfect. Yeah. But here is the moment <laughs> as a kid where I realized, oh, they're putting on a play. Kind of. It's not Ooh. official, like at Mr. Magoo when you see a stage and them bow at the end. But that this is where it clicked in my head. Oh, these all just look like the characters I know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because I, I thought of that, too, because it's very strange that even, you know, though Toontown exists and they show us, oh, these are characters who then play in short films and movies. And, you know, we had like, you know, the Prince and the Popper later on and things like that. But it's so weird to think of, oh, these are characters, you know, playing characters. So it, it, like think of them as individual actors taking on a role. I mean, that's yeah, you're right. It really does kind of hit you here where you're like, oh, OK, so it's not Mickey Mouse working for Scrooge McDuck. It really is, you know, Bob Cratchit working for Ebenezer Scrooge. And in this case now, obviously, Based on that uh, that age difference, <laughs> Daisy and uh, I, I don't is he de-aged? Uh, how 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 do you think they made Scrooge younger? He's supposed to be. He's got like the little tufts of feathers on the side of his face that are supposed to yeah. look like a different hairstyle. <laughs> and he's not wearing glasses. Yeah. yeah, the ages are fine. It's still just weird that Disney like that make that um Donald is in this. And then that, you know, we all know that that's his girl. <laughs> and Daisy is with Scrooge. Yeah, it's like Fred has a wife in the story. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and this is a sweeter Daisy than I'm used to seeing. She's voiced by Patricia Paris, who only played Daisy Duck in this and on the 1986 album Totally Mini. Oh. Okay, I know everything about Totally Mini. I if love you that ever yeah. want to do anything about Totally Mini, I've seen it 8,000 times. <laughs> I married a Totally Mini girl. Or Mickey's Very Merry Valentine's. Mickey's Valentine's uh, yes. special. Those two. TV. They aired together. Yep. Uh, Those are my jam. <laughs> and then we have Daisy's breakup scene here. Plays playing out a little differently from other versions, where Belle is the one ending the relationship, usually. Here, Daisy's asking 
Hey, I have this honeymoon cottage and I've been waiting for you to keep your promise to marry me. And Scrooge comes back with, Your last payment on the cottage was an hour late. I'm foreclosing the mortgage. Whoa. I mean, harsh. <laughs> Most harsh. And not, not even looking at her. No. He's just faceless behind a pile of money and then he whips out his arm and unfurls that foreclosure notice. That line to me is as cold as, if not colder, than the one they cut from this. About how if the poor would rather die they than be in prison, they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. <laughs> Yes. I mean, but yeah, this one hurts all the more because here's somebody that's given her heart to him. And what happened? Like, yeah, money happened. Yep, money. Because money. <laughs> that's all you get. Scrooge as at his Scroogiest. Oh, yeah. With poor little Daisy. That brings us to the ghost of Christmas present, described in the original text as a jolly giant. So... Portrayed very appropriately here by Willie the Giant from Mickey and the Beanstalk. Three, five, four, four. I smell. I mean, I smell. A stingy little Englishman. (laughs) I love that one too. This is, yeah, that's another one I loved as a kid and I just watched over and over again. I had it as a storybook and then on tape with Dumbo, I think. Aside from Scrooge McDuck, who was named after the character he's playing here, this might be the most perfect casting in this special by an otherwise minor Disney character. Yeah, well, I also feel like it's the best use of the animated medium in this special because the rest of the special really does feel like, okay, it's animal people, you know imitating people and doing what people do with a little bit of supernatural stuff. But this sequence has some great, I mean, with all the food and Scrooge, like sliding down the grapes or whatever else, you know, like all of that is, is really fun, but especially when the, uh, the spirit goes outside the house, picks up a light pole and uses it as a flashlight and starts peeking in houses. Like that's amazing. That is, that is a great bit of comedy there. I love that. Well, and that's a bit, that they pulled from his original peer appearance at the end of that package film, Fun and Fancy Free. That's how that movie ends. It's like three pieces and they're kind of sewn together with Jiminy Cricket visiting different houses in the last one. It's Edgar Bergen telling the story of Mickey and the Beanstalk to a couple of kids. And at the <laughs> end, you have Willie the Giant open the roof looking for a teensy-weensy little mouse. And then he like walks through Hollywood looking into buildings just like this. So there might even be a little recycled animation there. They bring over his bit where he can't pronounce the word pistachio. And don't forget the chocolate pot roast with pistachio. The with pistachio. The with pistachio. The with yogurt. We see Scrooge crawling up his arm under the sleeve like Mickey did. Uh, but it all fits here. Yeah, and with like the feast element and like plenty and i just like all of that it really does fit for him to be this this ghost even though you know what's funny about about the christmas carol is i feel like the ghosts tend to have relationship with scrooge and willie doesn't have any relationship with scrooge no he's not as jolly as i'm used to him being especially not i mean my go-to ghost of christmas present 
is the one from the Muppet Christmas Carol, that full-bodied Muppet that's uh, voiced by Jerry Nelson. That's my perfect one for me. I mean, that's a classic. That's a great one. Oh, yeah. For sure. But we arrive at Bob Cratchit's house, and we finally see Minnie Mouse as Mrs. Cratchit with zero speaking part. Such a blip. <laughs> no respect. I mean, no respect. It doesn't always have to be about our favorite mice, but I'm just saying. <laughs> well, on the record, there's a whole lot more dialogue for everybody. So they're like, you know, the kids and Minnie and everybody are talking bad about Scrooge. Yeah. And then Bob is defending him. You know, it's all, all of that. You, you get a little bit more of that business. Let's not forget the man who made this glorious feast possible, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. Please, not when we're eating. But yeah, but here it's very surprising. And it's just like, there's people in the house. Tiny Tim gets to say a few things and, and that's about it. But I love, I mean, my favorite, and I feel like it's a, it's a very go-to for Disney cartoons. But when Mickey is, you know, slicing the thin pieces off the pea, I love when they do it with beans, really with any, any time they do that, it cracks me up. So I think that there's some great visual gags. And here we have the part we came to it earlier with Tiny Tim. And it's very brief here compared to other versions, but Willie says very quickly, If these shadows remain unchanged, I see an empty chair where Tiny Tim once sat. And he silently pieces out, and that's the end. And with a sudden cloud of smoke, we are right into the graveyard in the future. With the initially hooded and unseen ghost of Christmas yet to come, but spoilers, it's Pete. Got a big old cigar. (laughs) The richest man in the cemetery. (laughs) Yeah, give him something here to say. I kind of like how they did it where, I mean, it's obviously Pete if you know what to look for. And the cigar smoke gives it away. Well, if this had been released a little bit later at first, I was like, wait a minute, is that the gorilla from Roger Rabbit? Because <laughs> it could have been. He was pretty surly, too, and big, you know. Well, And I've mentioned it before on this show, but I did not realize until recently, Pete is a cat. Yes, he is. <laughs> he does look more like a dog, it's true. He does, and well, Goof Troop kind of even embedded that more in my mind, and then I'm going back realizing uh i think in mickey mouse clubhouse they say they call him pete the cat i'm like wait what (laughs) and then you go back to steamboat willie he totally looks like a cat in that so but yeah they've morphed him into definitely not looking like a cat like he doesn't look as much like a cat but if you had to put any animal to him he doesn't look like any animal he just looks like pete he just looks like (laughs) pete he's mickey's rival yeah that's it mouse gotta have a cat yeah, I like, I mean, it does make sense. And I like that it's sort of like an Easter eggy. Mm-hmm. If you know what to look for, then you know it'd be Pete. And he's always such a rascal. Then to show Scrooge this future, it fits for him to be in that role. Although the ghost of Christmas future is not malicious in any way when they when he's presenting Scrooge's in iterations of A Christmas Carol. The ghost of Christmas future is not to, meant to be a malicious character. He's just sort of ripping the Band-Aid. He's not like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, he's just yeah, really doesn't Pete's definitely cackling. Right. Yeah. Pete is a malicious sort of like, I'm going to, you know, rip the Band-Aid, but I'm going to make sure it hurts while I'm ripping it, oh, yeah. you know? Like, knocks so him 
in there, too. Well, first, before we get to that, can we talk about Mickey in tears as he lays Tiny Tim's crutch on his tiny tombstone? That shook me as a kid. Mickey should have gotten an Oscar for this role. (laughs) I'm not used to Mickey Mouse crying. I couldn't handle crying Mickey Mouse. That shook me more than Fiery Hellhole Coffin. Not to diminish Fiery Hellhole Coffin. That's one of the most terrifying Disney things ever. Keep your Snow White forest. Keep me far, far away from this fiery coffin. And real quick scene, joyfully digging Scrooge's grave is a pair of weasels, also from the Wind in the Willows half of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. And direct inspirations for the weasel henchmen of Judge Doom and Who Framed Roger Rabbit that would come down the line in about five years from this. Yeah. I, I saw that. I, like, I didn't that. know. Yeah. Okay, because I was like looking him up because I know Roger Rabbit better than the Wind in the Willows. Oh, so yeah, I was too. like. I, are they the weasels from Roger Rabbit? <laughs> no, but kind of. Because these mean, ones are British, yeah. Cockney or whatever. Yeah, yes. that's that's your clue. But since I didn't know the Wind in the Willows, right? You know, I just I have never seen it. I did, I don't have a relationship with it, so I immediately went to Roger Rabbit because I'm an '80s kid. You know, like yep. '80s '90s kid. So that's exactly what I thought of, and then I was like, oh no no. <laughs> And to go back to the record again, the Ghost of Christmas Future on that is the queen from Snow White in her witch form. It's you, Ebenezer Scrooge, the richest man in the cemetery. <laughs> oh, no, no. Ooh, I like the different choices for the record. Yeah, and she's got the black hood, but... Again, Pete's a better fit for screen, but when you're dealing with audio, that's a really good choice. And finally, Scrooge, having awakened on Christmas morning, a changed man, we see a final few familiar faces on the cheerful streets of London, including Skippy the Bunny from Robin Hood just running around the street. He's pushing his turtle friend, Toby, upside down on his shell through the snow. You see his mother out, along with uh, a grandmother owl that's apparently also from Robin Hood. We see one of the three little pigs again chasing three little wolves, which I thought was a good bit. And that concludes our filler characters from other things list with one final exception. It's Mr. Toad's horse, Cyril, here being ridden by Donald as Fred. And that's it. We get a quick (laughs) final scene of him faking out Bob Cratchit and we're done. Again, it's only 26 minutes at most and meant to be short and quick. But it hits all the important points really rapid fire. Still, there are quite a few bits from the source material missing and 90 years worth of Disney characters to pull from, so I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about who we thought could have been added to this and still have it work. It could be an additional scene from the story, or it could be a Disney character you think would fit better in a certain role. So, Liz, did you come up with any additional characters you would have liked to see in this? Um, I wanted to try to think of who I thought would be better as Marley, but I don't know who I think would because I think the person would need to have a good relationship with Scrooge and have, I mean, I know it's the whole play acting thing. So Scrooge is playing Ebenezer, whatever, like blah, blah, blah. But I just think that there is a better character that would fit to have Benner's partner, but I couldn't think of who it was. 
that was the only one that I feel like I would want to see other than Pluto and Daisy not being Scrooge's love interest. <laughs> Super weird. <laughs> like you could have had any, uh, like the fact that Clarabelle and Goofy at one point were love interest means that you can cross species lines to fall in love in Disney. So he wouldn't have to fall in love with a duck. He could have fallen in love with somebody else. Give Minnie a speaking part. Put her in there. Hey, although Minnie with Scrooge would be equally rude. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm more on board for Clarabelle maybe playing that go. part. That would be funny. Yeah, Clarabelle would be funny. Although Clarabelle, Scrooge would hate Clarabelle, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but so I did not come up with anybody that I thought would fit in that role. But that is the one that I super wanted to recast. Um other than that, I definitely think you could have pulled from, like, Timothy Mouse would be a good one, because Dumbo, yeah. uh, I think, was oh, wow. pulled in. You know, like, people, like little characters like that, where mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't have Dumbo be in Scrooge, but Timothy Mouse could definitely make an appearance, or any other small character like that. And I liked your suggestion about the rescuers, because if this was a lead-in for that, then, you know, or that, why wouldn't they have an appearance here? Right. But so that those are my thoughts. I didn't come up with anyone solid, but that's that's who I wanted to recast. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with it. you there. Adam, did you have any ideas? Yeah, Liz, I got you covered. I got some oh, thoughts oh. here. <laughs> so first of all, just on the Jacob Marley side of things, because, yeah, like we said, Goofy just does not fit that role in any way. And so for me, I immediately went, you know, we're going to have to disrupt the spirits in my mind anyway. I feel like there are some some things we can change there. So for me, I think Pete as Jacob Marley <gasps> would be awesome. Just, just think, because he's got that, you know, he he definitely has that evil side to him, so he could play that up. But then we've seen in other iterations, you know, in a Goofy movie especially, you kind of see him play like the more somber or manipulative version. So I feel like he could very easily fill in that role. Um, but Mike, I know you had a suggestion for Marley too, didn't you? I did, yes. So... My thought was, all right, we can't just get rid of Goofy, so let's make Goofy someone like Fezziwig with a slightly bigger speaking role. For Marley, we're already introducing Scrooge McDuck to a new generation. Let's bring in Flint Harp Glomgold for Marley's ghost. (laughs) He's already established in the Uncle Scrooge comics, so it'd work. I thought either him or you could pull the big bad wolf out of that Santa costume and put someone else there, maybe one of the other pigs. But those are my thoughts. Yeah. But I like Pete, too. Yeah, I think that would work. And so if I was going to pull Pete out of the Ghost of Christmas yet to come, then I had three choices here. Do you tell me what you like for the Ghost of Christmas yet to come? Okay. So first of all, again, we're pulling characters from Disney comics. So what if we went with The Blot? Anybody? The Phantom Blot? The Phantom Blot. I kind of circled (laughs) around that. Wow. Yeah, he's just a full black costume Mm -hmm. is what he is. So, I mean, we don't know what his characterization would be in terms of vocal performance. But even if they just decided to go the silent route that we're so used to, just his visual could work. But even more so, someone who's famous for silently freaking us out. And that is the Horned King... From the, oh no, sorry, not the Horn King. Let me take that again. <laughs> that is 
Chernabog from oh, Fantasia. Wow. Imagine that guy rolling up. Oh, Taking man. it back. Yeah. That's a lot you do food. with pizza. Well, that would work with that last little, again, that fiery hellhole coffin, because where Pete works is, that cackling works only because he's kind of pushing Scrooge down in there. Mm-hmm. That's not something that usually happens. It's usually just whimpering next to the grave. But here it's just, whoa. Chernobyl would be a great pull. Horn King wouldn't be bad, too. But, but Yeah, I was going to say, if they were doing it a few years later, yeah. he's got the look, man. Black Cauldron, yeah. Oh, holy <laughs> Moses. Is there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my other thought, too, again, with the Ghost of Christmas present, I know we said that's like perfect casting, but at the same time, I was just thinking if we were going for a, not a, a literal giant, but you're something that you could maybe play up the characters a little more jolly. Remember, these are actors playing a role. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, what if you got Friar Tuck from Robin Hood oh, to be the Ghost wow. of Christmas Present? But again, a more boisterous version of him. Yes, that's a great idea. Yeah. On the other side, too, you, again, if you wanted to play one that was a little less doofusy and maybe a little bit more you know, getting to the point is that Sir Ector, Arthur's foster father, <laughs> slave driver from the sword, the stone. <laughs> That's nice. a good idea. I like where you're going with fire tuck. We could even put little John in that role. Oh yeah. Little John slash Baloo. Sla- I mean, like three different bears that are basically the same character, but oh, yeah. you could add so many good jungle book stuff in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could have. Yeah. But Maybe. then I was thinking like, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying maybe they thought they would look out of place in the snow. But uh. <laughs> oh, maybe. But if you go like also like Ghost of Christmas Past, I love Jiminy, so I don't really feel like we need to replace him. But again, if this is happening a few years later and we know that traditionally he's supposed to be a baby mm-hmm. and like you said, a like ageless, a young man, but also an old man, baby Herman. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want that now. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, and then I was thinking, like, again, uh, if you're going to go with the, our charitable donations collectors, honestly, Wind in the Willows, nobody knows that. No. You know, you know, they know Mister Toad's Wild Ride, but the, I was just thinking, I felt so bad that Chip and Dale were just a blink and you miss them cameo. What if they were in there and tried to to stir up some funds? You know, it seems like that could be a little bit, you know. Or even if you wanted to go and like, again, Robin Hood, obviously very influential here, but what if you had Robin Hood as the blind man? <laughs> Alms for the poor. <laughs> yeah. And then my final uh, suggestion in terms of, you know, just the recast was with the grave diggers, you know, again, those weasels, not so well known, but what about the vultures from the jungle book? The, the Beatles vultures, they'd be perfect. <laughs> You know who I circled around for the uh, the collectors, and this wouldn't work if they were really trying to stick with just animals and a giant, but the Mad Hatter and the March Hare from Alice in Wonderland, I thought, yeah. might work there, if you want to go a little silly. Exactly. They'd have a lot of goofy banter, for oh. sure. And then, like, if you're going to go with, like, a deleted scene from the original book, there was one where I saw, like, a total missed opportunity if they wanted to add another five minutes or three minutes. or Because in, in the scene where it's, you know, the, the, 
spirit of you know is taking him to see the Cratchits home. Mm-hmm. The goat, you know, he's Scrooge is also taken to see a celebration at what's referred to as a miner's cottage. Oh, so yeah. I know we said they're not animals, but I mean that's the perfect place. The seven dwarves, you know, oh, a miner's cool. cottage. There it is, you know. If you're going there, you got to go to to Donald's party. So maybe if Goofy's not Jacob Marley anymore, he could be there with them. Mm-hmm. There's a character there named Topper. See, that could work. And then there's also something about uh, a Christmas celebration at a lighthouse, which is oh, kind of man. interesting. And for some reason, that brought to mind for me the carpenter and the walrus from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, but I was just like, that is totally what came to mind there. I think I see where you're kind of going with that because uh yeah it's like they're on the shoreline there obviously yeah. because they're going to get the clams right. and all that stuff so and they but they could also work they would have been another pair as like the, the charitable collectors that they could have been pretty funny maybe i'm thinking of the faces of tweedledee and tweedledum as the sun and the moon oh yeah <laughs> well well done adam and liz yeah. with your suggestions yeah. <laughs> but you nailed it. I mean, that Pete for Marley, I think, is the one that blew my mind. That's that perfection. We can pull a Lucas and revise it. You know, let's just do the <laughs> special edition Mickey's Christmas Carol. <laughs> Surprised to have it up. There you go. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Mickey's Christmas Carol before we close out this one? I just wish it had had a longer, a little bit of a longer ending. Give it like two more minutes of jubilation or something. Yeah. I mean, I get that it's supposed to be a short film that opens up another film, but yes, but dang, it's so quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they to spent me, so much more oh, time in the, at the opening of it being so dour that they needed to offset that with more joy. Perhaps. Yeah. And that's what I would say is because they play it so straight. I mean, there's gags, but that they, they do keep that somber tone. I would have loved to have that money song carry over. So at least in the opening, there was a song, you know, we have, we have the openings over the, you know, the song over the credits, but to have a song in universe that maybe the people on the street are all joining in and it's a room for more cameos because everybody can, you know, say, you know, the say, you know, lines along the lines of Scrooge is cheap. What a creep, you know, you just, that's going to stick with people. It feels like that would be fun. At least one song in there. Yeah, I definitely could have used that. I think you could have montaged a little bit of what was going on in order to lead into the story with a a song like that. I think that would have been cool. Well, thank you both for helping me kick off another season of the Advent Calendar House. And if people want to invite you over for candied fruits with spiced sugar cakes, where on the internet can they find you, Liz? You can find me at the wonderful thing about Lizzie on Instagram or uh, .com. And on Twitter, you can find me at TWT about Lizzie. I'm also on a podcast network called Random Chatter, which is available at randomchatter.com. And Adam. Well, I am uh, over at sequelquestpod.com at SQPod on Twitter. So SequelQuest by my weekly podcast where we create sequels, prequels, and reboots to your favorite films that maybe never got them or should have. Uh, also, uh, as for those Disney fans out there, we have the Two Goofs podcast, which is a 
pod or 12 episode limited series uh, going on this year where my best friend Jeff and I share our stories from playing Goofy and many other characters in costume at Disneyland uh, for several years. Lots of fun and excitement there. We have a, a new uh, by by the time this episode comes out, we will be down to our final episode. So go check out the archives, and uh, there may be some new announcements for the future of the show. Oh, cool! Definitely do all of those things. And if you want to follow along for the rest of the month through Christmas Eve, you can find us on the web at AdventCalendar.house. This is on a bunch of podcasting apps. They're all there. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. I believe in you, but. You can say hi on Twitter at AdventCalHouse or email podcast at AdventCalendar.house. Thank you both again for joining me. This has been super fun. Thank you for having us. This was so fun. I loved it. And Merry Christmas. What it all. God bless us, everyone. Until next time, for Liz and Adam from the depths of Scrooge McDuck's fiery nightmare grave, please watch out for the icy patch. Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network, located conveniently at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in, which is odd because I set up this microphone just to record. I'm Tim Babb from the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to join us every month as we talk about the traditions, the music, the movies, the food, and the fun of the merriest holiday on Earth. Plus, you'll help us answer some questions like, what is the greatest version of Jingle Bells? Bing Crosby. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. What is the best Christmas food? Well, everybody knows that one. Hey, imaginary listener, it sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog. Can you be quiet? If you give away all the answers, they're not going to listen to the show. Oh, right. Sorry. Anyway, that's the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. New episodes on the 25th of every month, wherever you get your podcasts, or at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Pinocchio loves Christmas, especially when he gets stolen by bad guys. That isn't true. No, it's a lie. Pinocchio's Christmas, tonight at 7, 6 Central on Fox Family Channel. And if people want to invite you over for candied fruits and spiked shook... Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's hard you to know I can't eat that stuff. You've you got, got this. You've got this. <laughs> <laughs>